Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. Coming to you for Hardcore Church Planning, we've actually got a really exciting interview for you uh, today. Peyton, why don't you introduce our guest, because I'm really excited to get into this one. Yeah, you know, uh, big names, if you've been on this show, you know that we don't always get the big names. We're not always uh, excited about um, someone just because they are a celebrity. Well, this guy to me is one of the most important people in my life, someone who uh, God really used. He, you wouldn't know him. It's like so many of the people that really shaped me. It's not like they're famous, but, you know, to me, uh, they're one of those people that I'd rather spend time with them than just about anyone else. And so this guy is, if you have heard of him, it's probably been through Church Zero. If you've read that book, you know that uh, I have a chapter in there. Oh, Chiching, by the way, uh, missed my cue. But uh, you'll know that I write about uh, an individual named Jeff. And Jeff is with us on the show today, and I'm going to give him a proper introduction. But first, Jeff, good to have you, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, you're going to hear his Welsh accent. He is actually coming to us from South Wales, just uh, outside of Swansea. And um, Jeff uh, is a veteran in ministry. Uh, He is a uh, veteran church planner himself. And uh, we teamed up years ago. Uh, it was a, a divine occurrence where God brought us together right before we planted uh, that church. We started up that outreach in the Starbucks. Jeff and Pam, his beautiful wife, who we have referred to before on the show as Nanny Sunshine. She has <laughs> a, an incredible gift of hospitality. She can make almost anybody feel welcome when they walk into the room. And uh, Jeff and Pam are an awesome team ministry. And uh, they came, and, and I would say, if I were to even look back and, and, and look at Pillar Church um, and, and say, well, you know, besides the people who got saved um, and, and the way that God dismantled me and, and, and built me back up, I would say one of the, uh, the chief things was just meeting Jeff. And so I've asked Jeff to come on today to talk to us about some of the stuff that doesn't really get addressed, maybe a hot topic, things that people don't really talk about. But the book of Acts kind of lays down as a foundation before you do any sort of ministry, and that is the the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And so if you've read uh, Church Zero, you'll know that Jeff is is what we would classify in Ephesians 4, a prophetic leader. Um, He has the gift of prophecy, which is kind of crazy. Tell the story all about Jeff and what it was like to serve with him. But uh, he also has the gift of healing. Uh, here, here comes my train. Hold on. Of course, it comes right now, right? Yeah. Hello. I feel like <laughs> I'm on Mr. Rogers, you know, like trolley comes by. Dun, 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 dun. We're about to go to make-believe land. Do we know? have to talk about Mr. Rogers every time we do a podcast? I'm on a Mr. Rogers kick right now. I'm just saying. You know how he freaks me out. <laughs> 
So, hey, Jeff, with that, um, I'm going to hand over to Pete, and Pete's going to get to know you a bit. Well, Jeff, okay. one of the first questions we always like to ask is uh, if you can tell us your story of how you came to faith. Yeah. Well, my past, uh, growing up, I was uh, into rugby, which uh, is different from American football, but you've probably seen Rugby Union in Britain, and it's quite a, a rough sport, and... Uh, that was my passion growing up was to play rugby and I didn't get saved until I was mid thirties. So, uh, I had a divine encounter experience really. My wife, she was going to church, uh, and after a couple of years, she invited me along. So I went and finally found out that church wasn't just for women and sissies, that men actually went there. So I met some men. And uh, they had a men's meeting, and I thought, oh, yeah, it's not too bad. These guys, they they seem okay. They don't seem like sissies to me. So that was an introduction into the church. And uh, it's a bizarre thing, really. I went to a Baptist church, and there were two camps of people there. They didn't have a minister. It was more One bunch was like a charismatic bunch, and the other one were traditional church Baptists. And... Uh, they wanted different people to be their minister. And I only just came to the church. So they asked, if you wanted to vote in somebody, you had to be a member. Hmm. So they asked me, do you want to become a member? I didn't have a clue what it was all about. So to be a member in a Baptist church, you have to be baptized. So they give me a, a week saying I'm going to get baptized next week if I'd like it. Yes, okay. Not knowing anything. So somebody gave me a book on baptism. And the night before I was going to get baptized, I read the book. And in it, it was telling me all about Jesus, what he did for me. And that night I went to bed, and I had to get out of bed. It's such an overcoming sensation of what Jesus had done to me. So I was on my knees, sobbing beside my bed Hmm. all night. And the next morning, I'm getting baptized. And uh, somebody said, you have to say something. So... You know, of all verses, I just picked the Bible and opened it to Ephesians 2, uh, and verses 1 to 10. It was amazing. I read this, but there's this macho rugby player reading this out in front of all these people and crying my eyes out. So I really was humiliated, in a sense, uh, humbled. So I get baptized, and then getting baptized, I hear the minister saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as I went under, I just, coming up, I just felt this shaft of light go straight through me. And I knew that I was a different person. I knew I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, I went down my rugby club on the Monday following this baptism and told them all about Jesus. And before this, I wouldn't want any of my mates to know I became a Christian or I was a Christian. Well, I wasn't a Christian, but I didn't want them to know I was going to church even. So I was so embarrassed, but you know I was transformed. I was bold. I was telling them all about Jesus, and it didn't last too long. <laughs> I had to get out of there. So that's an introduction to my being born again of the Spirit of God. And sad to say, I didn't last too long in that Baptist church because I felt it was dead in the Spirit of God. Uh, so I moved out there into more of a charismatic church. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with Baptists, but, uh, you know, that's my story, and that's where I began. Hmm. 
Um, why don't you tell us too, how did you get involved in uh, the church plants and doing the church planting that you've done? Yeah. Okay. Well, my first church plant was in a place called Landrit Major in that's a mouthful in Wales. And, uh, I was going to this uh, charismatic church and just felt that God was leading me into planting a church. So I was traveling about 10 miles at the time to a church. So I really felt burdened to start a church in my own town. So this is what we did. Uh, we found it very, very hard and a real struggle. There was only one or two families, myself, and my wife, and another couple that started it. And we found it really hard. Uh, but we stuck it out, and uh, it grew over about six years. So that was my first ch- church plant. Then I felt a call to come to Swansea, which is the next place where I met Peyton. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to lay things down when God says to move on. And that's what we did. It was painful at the time, but we really felt God wanted us to move to Swansea. So in obedience, we moved to Swansea and uh, we spent a few years there going around different churches and not, you know, most, the story of my life is whatever churches I've been in, God has seems to use me in teaching people about the gifts of the spirit. Mm. It usually lasted about four years there and then moved me on. So I don't know why, but God seemed to want to channel this through me that the gifts of the Spirit were important to equip people for ministry. And uh, I built them up, or rather the Lord used me to build them up, and the next step was moving on. Mm. And and I think it's important to say, too, that, you know, you you get this picture of a guy, you know, like he would be a know-it-all, and he would know all about the Spirit, and he'd come in and judge everyone, and that is so opposite of of who Jeff is. I think that any church that, that Jeff's been a part of, um, number one, he just flows with grace and the love of God, you know. Um, in fact, I remember Jeff saying to me early on, he goes, the way that you know that a prophecy is of the Lord is it always has a foundation of grace to it. Um, it may be convicting. The Lord might convict you when he speaks, but there's always that undergirding, that grace and that love are always there. And I, I always found that so powerful. Yeah. So... uh Having spent years in Swansea around different churches, uh, then we got a bit frustrated and uh, we thought, oh, we've had enough. We're going to go back to Lantford Major, where we first started our church. And uh, I was on the point, we actually sold our house. We're going to move back. And the Lord convicted me, you haven't really prayed about this. So I went, I took Pam we went up to the Brecon Beaton, so that's mountain range in mid Wales, and uh, we were going to spend the day praying and make sure we were doing the right thing. So we went, and on the way up, my wife, she loves antiques. She saw this antique barn type place where they had all these antiques. But I said, no, we're not stopping there. We're going to pray. So we went and prayed up in Brecon Mountains, and we spent our time and we were asking God for a sign to show us what he really wanted in our lives. Did he really want us to move back or not? So that was it. We did our praying. We were on our way back and we saw this antique shop again. So we go in there and 
we looked in this antique shop and on the wall is a huge painting if you can imagine of all the 12 tribes of Israel camped in the wilderness and in one corner of this painting which must have been about 15 foot long there was a pillar of cloud in the far corner and it was coming down this pillar of cloud to a pinpoint on the Holy of Holies and the immediate I saw this I knew when the pillar of cloud is down, you don't move. So I had my sign, so, but we sold our house and uh, we didn't know what to do. So we were looking around Pentlegare, which wasn't far from where we were living. And Pam didn't like the houses then when we first looked at them. And now years later, she loves these houses. So God is doing a work. And uh, I was amazed. So we were looking for a church in the locality and so we went to a church called Libanus Church in a, a town called Morriston nearby because we were looking for somewhere to go. And of all people to be preaching there at the time for a few months was Peyton Jones. And uh, woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, after a few weeks of listening to this man and uh, we were really thrilled about him and we, we felt there was something fresh in this man fresh in his teaching and he got to talk to us and he said that he was uh, going to plant a church to us and I said where do you live he said same, same village as where I lived in Pentlegare so I was amazed at this and then he told me that he was going to call the name of the church Pillar Community Church and he could knock me down I knew instantly yes this is the church I'm supposed to be involved in because it's called Pillar do you want to tell him about your instance on Pillar? Why were you going to call it Pillar? Yeah, so, you know, at that point, I was in uh, a kind of a personal uh, wilderness. You know, I, I didn't realize at that time that often before the Lord uses you, and, and some of the listeners here, you've heard Jeff say it just now, um, and I've read about it. I was just reading a, a book where the guy just talks about it as if it's it's a normal occurrence, that often you get set aside, kind of like Moses, right? when he's just tending sheep and he thinks God's done with him. And I was in that position where I had finished at a church. God had prophetically told me, you need to quit here. Um, and I had a total peace, but then I started really struggling. And I was on my way to preach, and I was, I was getting like invitations to preach all these different churches. And it just, something didn't feel right. And I remember just being like, God, you've abandoned me. You know, I'm, I'm going to these churches or asking me to be, be their pastor and I don't feel you're even with me anymore. And, you know, I don't know what I've done to upset you. And I was really angry at God. I didn't realize that that can be a very normal thing and that God knows exactly what he's doing and he's leading you probably more than ever during that time. But anyways, I, I'm yelling. So I'm yelling at God in the car, speeding down the, the motorway or the freeway as we say in America, but um, I'm on my way 45 minutes down the road thinking, why am I doing this? Why am I going down to this church? Why am I not? God, why haven't you told me what I'm supposed to do next? And God just, as I, right as I prayed this, I, I said to God, I, I'm screaming in the car, right, on my way to preach. And I'm like, show me what to do. What do you want me to do? And as I looked in my rearview mirror, I see this uh, stratonimbulus or is it cumulonimbus nimbus cloud, um, which is one of the ones that's like, uh, looks like a tower, you know, like a giant column of cloud, which of course in the Bible it's pillar of cloud. And I felt God 
prophetically speak to me, kind of like Johnny Mnemonic, like, you know, this, this incredible conversation just instantly downloaded into my head. Um, just this revelation where God just said, look, in the Old Testament, I guided my people with a pillar of cloud and, um, all they knew, they, they didn't know like how long the, the cloud would camp out and then they make camp or the cloud would start to move and, and they would fall, they'd have to, you know, break camp and then, you know, pack up and go. And, uh, I'm leading you like that. You're in a wilderness. Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you where you're going next. I'm not going to tell you the next step. You're going to have to stay close to the cloud. And if you, if that was all they knew to do, and that's what you need to learn to do right now. And it was just like this wave of peace. What, what's funny about that, as I came home and told Andrea as well, hey, I, I, I don't think we're going to plan a church, but if we ever did, you know what I'd want to call it? I said, Pillar Community Church. And she just looks at me like, kind of like Jeff did that day. I mentioned to him, Hey, we're going to call this, this church pillar. Andrew just looks at me in shock, takes out her journal, goes to the bedroom, takes her journal, you know, opens it up to two weeks earlier where she had written, if we ever plan a church, I want to call it pillar. <laughs> so it was just, and we used to say it at pillar church, everybody had a story. You know, everybody had some kind of way that God had brought them there. And all the stories were fantastic like this. Hmm. Yeah. So Peyton uh, decided he was going to church plant in the area where we were living. So we joined them, Pam and I. And we had a, a great time. It was uh, one of the most exciting times uh, that we've had in ministry, especially with Peyton and Andrea. They were really on fire for God and uh, you know, we came alongside them for the ride, really, and uh, it was great. We had brilliant times of fellowship together. We explored things, praying with people, seeing people saved, and it, it was just a ball, really. I, I was thoroughly enjoying my time with him. So I just want to acknowledge him in that, that uh, he was a breath of fresh air for me, really. Yeah, and likewise for me. I mean, I learned so much about supernatural ministry. You know, we always see the guys on on TV in the white suits, you know, and the big hair. And what I learned from Jeff was the way that that God just works quietly, just as powerfully, supernaturally. We saw people healed. We were in, mm-hmm. even now. Like if Jeff and I get together, I write about it in church here. I just hint at it. But there's another book that that I'm writing that really kind of majors on this. When you get an apostolic leader together and a prophetic leader together and you see them moving and operating together, uh, these gifts in the New Testament, particularly in Acts, um, that's more of a frontline ministry. Um, and Jeff was very much, um, about these, these things being for, for non-believers, for being frontline. And I know yeah. there's been a movement in recent years, but this was, this is, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, this is predating. Yeah. That we we saw this stuff, but again, I would watch reformed Christians who are cessationists um, meet Jeff and encounter Jeff, and I just smile because they they wouldn't believe in healing, and suddenly you know their their son. I'm thinking of one. Jeff will probably remember that uh, we prayed one night for uh, a couple who had been at a, a reformed church for years. We're taught that the Holy Spirit doesn't operate today. And their son had a medical issue that he needed surgery for, and the child wasn't there. It was just Jeff just says, "Well, let's just pray for his healing." Um, something they didn't even really believe in, but at that point they were so desperate. 
And you see mm. that in the New Testament. They were so desperate that they were open. And God healed their son. And so, you know, it, it, it was just one of those things. But, Jeff, you know, you're working now with um, some of our listeners will know uh, Reese Howells, the Bible College of Wales, that you've been uh, a part of an amazing restoration of that. I, I taught there when it was uh, owned, I should say, by yeah. a ministry that took it, but they <laughs> sold it. And as they were selling it, you and I walked those grounds and we actually <clears throat> prayed. And Andrea and Martina, another uh, one of the leaders uh, couples, um, sat and prayed as well. And we, we kept saying, oh, God, would you do something here again? Would you restore mm. Bible College of Wales, you, you need to, to read a book called Reese Howell's Intercessor. Um, there's so much more to the story that we could get into. It it, it actually has yeah. a lot to do with how oh, I yeah. ended up in Pentlager. Um, but anyways, Jeff is there. Jeff, we want to talk today to the church planner. Um, and so I'm going to move us into this category now. We want to talk a bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what that means, what the filling of the Spirit is, because a lot of our church planners are, you know, they're, they're listening to a lot of stuff that's helpful, maybe some stuff on marketing, maybe some stuff on leadership, all of that. But it's almost more concerning sometimes what's not being spoken about. Um, for example, the book of Acts really majors on the power of the Holy Spirit being the prerequisite, being the source. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Without me, you can do nothing. And so yes. what we're seeing a lot in church planning is we're seeing a lack of power, a lack of, um, I guess what uh, Watchman Nee would say, operating from the soul rather than from the spirit. Yeah. And um, it, it, I'm just wondering, can you, yeah. can you talk a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and what it is and why it's important? Yeah, well... You know, I explained my book being born again. Uh, we filled with the Spirit then. The Spirit of God comes into us when we acknowledge Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We get converted. Uh, so from my perspective, it was a little different because I, I really felt I was baptized as well as filled, if you know what I mean. Uh, but I think for most people, they get filled with the Spirit when they get born again. And then they sold you through life as if uh, they've got the power. When they, they've really only got the Holy Spirit living in them. Uh, and they really need to, to have the power to minister. So for me, being baptized with the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is something that Jesus did. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. We think we're asking the Holy Spirit to baptize us. But it's Jesus that baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And you have to ask. You need to ask him. I haven't got this power. I need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he could minister. And yeah. for me, that was the same thing. For you, it's going to be the same thing. Unless mm. you ask Jesus that I be filled, anointed, baptized in the Holy Ghost. You're not going to have power in ministry. And Jesus yeah. is our classic example in uh, Luke. It talks about him uh, being baptized in water and coming out of the water and being filled with the Spirit of God. And God yeah. said, this is my beloved son. And then he has to uh, go into the wilderness. But he's praying for 40 days and 40 nights before he's, he's uh, while he's in the wilderness. 
And then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit again in the sense of now he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. So he's, he's, he's been baptized in, the, in water and had the Holy Spirit in him. But he spent 40 days fasting and praying. And now he's filled with the Holy Spirit in the sense of he knows that he's got the power in him. And he leaves that wilderness in the fullness of the Spirit, in the fullness of the power. And then he starts his ministry. And for many of us, uh, we don't want to spend the time uh, with God and asking him and getting our characters built up so that we don't blow it. Power is not the end thing. No. You know, you can have power and blow it big time. Yeah. You've got to have character with it. You, you've got to have uh, authority. For me, authority comes with intimacy with God. Mm. And you need authority to use power properly. So there's no shortcut for having authority. I believe in my own life that it became through intimacy with God. And you need that intimacy because power is, is a gift from God. Yeah. Uh, and you can give gifts to anybody, but anybody can blow it as well. So I just want to emphasize this if you're a church planter starting off. There's no shortcut to having the authority coming through the intimacy with God that he mm -hmm. uses power correctly. It's a good point. And I think that, um, for example, uh, you know, a, a lot of preachers can get up there and just speak well. You know, and speaking well is one thing, but, you know, you, you find doctors that can give good presentations, you find salesmen, you find uh, real estate agents can go up and wow an audience to buy a timeshare. And, you know, comedians can move a crowd and, but you can't bring a sense of God into a room without the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and really, I like how you said that it, it's power is not the end thing. What it really is, is, is God. Jesus is sending the spirit, the, the, you know, the third person, the Trinity to yeah. fill everything so that God is actually present. So if I'm going to use my natural abilities, I might have a gift of gab or the ability to, to orate to a crowd of people, but to actually transform that Sunday meeting or whatever I'm doing, it could be on the yeah. street. It could be in a home. To, to suddenly where someone goes, surely God is in this place and I did not yeah. know it. That requires the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget my mentor in preaching. <laughs> and, and the reason I, I asked him to be my mentor in preaching was because, uh, I had just gotten back from Wales. I was 20 years old, turned 20 while I was there for six weeks. And, uh, I came home. I had been on this quest for, for revival. I came back. My soul was revived. But I remember uh, the next morning I get back, um, first thing I do is stop at Andrew's house. I'm dating her. It's a Friday night. He says, hey, uh, Andrew's brother's there. Hey, you want to come to our men's study? There's a guy from Wales there tomorrow. And I think he's joking because he's laughing while he's telling me. And I say, sure, what time is it? He goes, 5.30 in the morning. Now, remember, I've just gotten off a plane, 10-hour <laughs> flight from Wales. And I'm thinking he's joking with him. And he keeps laughing while he's telling me. So I go there though, and I listen to this guy. I have never heard preaching like this. That the power of the Holy Spirit is so so powerful. And he preaches that Saturday morning. He preaches that Sunday morning, and he preaches Sunday night. Now he preaches three services in the morning, 
and one at night, each time a different sermon. And each time the same phenomenon happened. The Spirit of God was so powerful on him that people, you know, like when the service breaks up and everybody, you know, it's like a hornet's nest and everybody starts to mill about. Suddenly this dude was done speaking and it was like, Everybody just sat there stunned. That does not happen in America. They literally sat there stunned. And the presence of God was so thick in the room, you could cut it with a knife. And so mm-hmm. what we're talking about isn't like like Simon the, the sorcerer where he's like, or Simon, Simon the Magus where he comes up to Peter and goes, give me this power. I must have this power. That's idolatrous. That's wrong. But if what you're saying is, I don't want to waste people's time. I want mm. God to use me as a conduit to yeah. channel more of himself to people yeah. so that I'm out of the way. Um, then now you're talking. So, yeah. you know, how, you know, uh, Jeff, how, how does a person, how does a person tap into that? How do you, well, how do you get good. filled with the Holy Spirit? How do you put lightning in a jar? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. Uh, well, you know, for Jesus, he was a man. Although he was fully man and fully God, he only uh, related to people from his man side. Uh, so he had to be in tune with the Father. His relationship with the Father was uh, the secret of his sinless life and his miraculous ministry, really. It just yeah. grounded it in that relationship. So he drew his power from an intimate childlike relationship with the Father in heaven. So he had the ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the realm of the miraculous. And, you know, that's for all of us. We can do this. If Jesus did it in the natural man, we can do it in the natural man. But it, it takes a realization of faith that we have to have this relationship with God. And we have got a relationship with the Father. And we have got a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, he's a sovereign member of the Godhead who comes and indwells every Christian life. So he's the one indispensable reason f- for the, the presence in the Christian life is to give power. Why is he in me? Why is he in that? you? To give us power. Mm. That's the Holy Spirit. That's that's the spirit in the his sole resource of the supernatural power in doing the work of God is the Holy Spirit. We can't do the work of God, which is supernatural. When I'm saying I'm doing the work of God, if I could do it, it's not the work of God. Yeah. It's, we're talking about supernatural working of God. Yeah. And well, it's, yet, it's yet, interesting yeah. what you said too about Jesus, where um, he didn't he didn't use his godhood. And I no. remember reading Lloyd Jones saying this years ago, where he goes, many Christians don't realize that Jesus never used his god powers. And then he quoted the scriptures where Jesus says, the words I say are not my own, they're my father's. And then he says, the works which you see me do are not of myself, for the father who sent me does them through me. I do nothing of my own accord. I remember going, whoa, like the mind-blowing theology. And of course, Jesus is our forerunner, not only into heaven, but also he's the example where, as you pointed out earlier, when he gets baptized um, and, and, and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's him leaving aside his self-will. And yeah. even later when he says, not what I will, Father, but what you will. 
when he goes to the mm. cross. He is completely dependent on the, on the Father for everything upon the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Holy Spirit descends upon him. I mean, I, I would say there's a, there's a theology here that is orthodox, um, that is solid, that is biblical, but has been lost. Reformed guys in the past knew it. This is not like some uh, Pentecostal charismatic teaching that some guy on the God Channel made up. No, this is solid biblical Christianity, but because we know so little of the Holy Spirit, we don't talk about yeah. it. We don't, we, don't, we don't look at these no. things in the Scripture. We don't see them anymore. So it's, it's vital to have a relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. When I say a relationship, we need to talk to the Father. We need to, to mm. talk to the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got a prayer life. What is your prayer life? Are you talking to the Father, to the Son? Are you talking to the Holy Spirit? There's a vital relationship between the prayer life of Jesus and the powerful ministry, and his powerful ministry, really, uh, both in teaching and in healing. Uh, they provide a model for the church today. Good preaching, to some extent, at least can be developed through close study, application of sound principles of speech, homiletics, communications. But I want to tell you, the awesome demands of ministering to someone who is hurting can only be met by active prayer life. Hmm. Learning to use the weapon of prayer in the healing ministry is certainly not unrelated to other aspects of Christian life. It's yeah. for all of the Christian life, this relationship. Yeah. yeah. So you can be good at learning, but uh, if it's not lived out in life, you haven't learned it. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I learned a lot of theology from reading books over the years, but I came to the realization I couldn't do hardly anything in the book of Acts. One of the things I always tell people, you're either my Obi-Wan, you look a lot like Obi-Wan Kenobi, but you're probably more <laughs> my Yoda. But, uh, but here's the deal, you know, um, how, how to have this power. You know, it's funny because we're talking to you. The reason we've got you on here is we're actually yeah. talking to you in jump school. We're going to be talking about, uh, exorcism and, um, you know, uh, healing and some of the things that you and I have done together, which freaks most people out simply because, uh, they've seen it done, you know, wrongly. They've seen it, you know, uh, abused. They've seen guys do weird stuff with it, but it is something God wants to do. And so we're going to have you on that. But, but in wrapping up, I just want to share, yeah. um, something that, that the Lord, you know, when you and I, uh, parted ways, I came back to America. Uh, it was hard. It was hard because we weren't going to get to play together anymore. But, um, but the, the yeah. cool thing was I remember coming back and, you know, you were really challenging me. Hey, uh, since we're not together, just keep seeking it for yourself. And I remember I'd yeah. go away for days. Always for me, it's like I need to go and get alone. I need to go out in nature for a day. I need to go seek God. Um, R.A. Torrey used to do this. Tozer used to do this. Bill Hybels. I mean, there's a long list of men and women of God who, who have just gone to be alone with Jesus. That is it. And what I'm hearing Jeff say and what you're hearing him say is there is no, uh, rocket science to this. It's not rocket science. It's what you know to be true, but which, you know, what, what people struggle to do. And so when I was seeking the Lord, I remember just going, God, you know, I really want to seek you for this power. And exactly what you said, the Lord spoke to me prophetically and said, don't seek power. Seek my yes. son. Seek Jesus. He's, he's the source of everything. 
And yep. it's just amazing to me how idolatrous my heart was that if I want to know these things that I've read about, I seek Jesus. That's the key. And so, listener, yes. today, you've been listening to Jeff. This is just a taster. This this episode could be two hours long. In fact, we are going to yep. continue on uh, with our recordings in Jump School. If you don't know Jump School, that's our online training. Uh, you, you join it for 12 months out of a year. It's the best training we have. Jeff's going to be doing some practical hands-on, um, just laying down some principles from the Scripture. So when guys find themselves, and you will, the more frontline you go, find themselves in yeah. the place of suddenly being out of their depth, needing the Holy Spirit to be there, being in an exorcism, or needing someone to be healed, and God whispering, put your hands on them like James says, dang it, and pray for them, then you'll want what we're going to talk about. But that's all we have time for today. And uh, Pete's going to close us out with his famous question. Actually, I'm not. I'm not on this one. You're not going to ask us if me or Jeff would win in a fight? Come no, on. No, we already know that well, one. Well, the reality is, I, Jeff, who would win in a fight, me or you? Uh, you. <laughs> That's not true. No. You're just saying no. that. The I, rugby okay. player. Come on. The rugby player Look, versus let me the... Tell you, yeah. Let me tell you I, something. I, I'm 70 years of age, but I still give you a good go. <laughs> you would give me a good go. We we used to. Jeff has many nicknames. One is Scarecrow. One is a Silver Fox, and because uh, he's still got it at seventy. But uh, one of them is uh, Jethro. Yeah, we call him Jeffro. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of them, I'm telling you, Jeff is he's like Caleb. We used to always say he was like Caleb. Eighty five years old, Caleb's like I'll take the Mountain Giants, man. And uh, Jeff would kick my butt in a fight. Like I have moved house with Jeff. I've seen this guy lift sound equipment. He is way stronger than me. But I got to say, I know Jeff's uh, secret weakness. I, 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 wouldn't, I would never engage Jeff in hand-to-hand combat. But what I would do is I would stand at a distance with some sort of liquid projectile. Jeff's weakness, his Achilles heels, his eyes. So uh, I've watched this man get stuff squirted in his eye a great number of times. And... Uh, there was somebody once made a bank shot when we were working on someone's uh, lawn. We used to do that as a church. Someone shot an insecticide. It went high up, arced into the air, came down, and pelted Jeff right in between, like went behind his glasses and hit him in the eye. So all I know is I know your weakness, pal, so watch out. <laughs> <laughs> well, this good. has been Hardcore Thanks. Church Planning, going a little bit over today, but we want to thank you for joining us. and. Uh, Arnold's going to sign us out. Take it, Arnold. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.